Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. I got a question for you. If you had a choice, okay, you've got a choice, would you rather get something new or would you go see a new place or have a new experience? What would you choose? Something new or kind of a new experience? Everybody has their preference. Everybody has their things. There's nothing wrong or right with it. But if you had the choice, what would you choose? See, for me, my preference, I would love, I just love having new experiences. I love seeing new places over new things. I just love a good adventure, okay? It doesn't have to be far away. I just love a new adventure. And if you're with me, if that's what you would choose, If you love an adventure, you know when you're in a new place, in that new place, often there is, I'll call, like some education that's needed, okay? That's what I call education. If we need the education because in some places we go to, there are um, unique risks or unique things we need to know about. So for, for instance, last summer, my family and I, if you are here, then you know, we went out west, we went to the Grand Canyon, okay? Going to the Grand Canyon um, is beautiful, it's fun, but it also comes with some risk, especially if you travel um, with Pastor Scott, okay? So it always comes that, and, and, and we know the risk is obvious, But still, the Grand Canyon does a good job of reminding you of the, the, maybe the the risks or the the dangers that come with the Grand Canyon. Now, if you're there, you'll see a sign like this. Show them the sign. If you've never been there before, this is the sign. There we go. This is the sign. And, and this sign, you'll see extreme caution, watch for falling rocks. You know, it tells you this is what's going on there. And they do this because it's obvious, but you always can't count on people's common sense, right? It's obvious, but you can't count on people um, and, and that they think their, their, their level of adventure, you know, you, you, can, you can't always count on people's common sense, including this guy, okay? Like, we need those signs. They know that people know what the danger is, but they do their job in making sure you remember, you know the danger that's in front of you. Now, the Grand Canyon isn't the only place. Only the place that you need to be educated, only place that, that is dangerous. And if you go on these trips, maybe you've been before, you, you've seen some signs, maybe some odd signs. I've, I've got a few odd signs. If you travel, maybe, maybe you see these signs. Don't touch the goats. The goats are filled with poison ivy. This is a good danger warning sign, right? Like, I don't want to touch these weird goats that have poison ivy all over them, but these are good for us. What's another sign? Maybe try, uh, this sign has sharp edges. Who doesn't need to know that that sign has sharp edges, right? Like, thank you for this warning sign. Uh, the next one, please keep the gate closed to prevent the wildflowers from escaping. I mean, I don't want the wildflowers to escape, you know? So this is really good. They give us those, those signs. The last one I think here is human beings have the right of way. Lions, please don't. Lions even need to be aware 
the dangers of making sure that humans have the right of way. Like, this is what you see in adventure. And we know those are odd. Those are weird warning dangers, educational signs. But we know that those kind of warning signs, they are really valuable. They're really important because they're designed to let us know, to beware of something that if you're not aware of, it could be potentially life-threatening. They could potentially be, get you into something that causes some problems. Now, the truth about these signs is, when you see them, you have two choices, right? You can either see the sign, heed the warning, and change direction. Or you can see these signs, you can understand what they're saying, and just stay the course. You have the choice. Now, in regards to me, and the Grand Canyon, I was blessed with two different warning signs. We have the one sign that you see, the metal sign, but then I was also given a verbal sign. You probably know where this verbal sign comes from, none other than Amber Moore. Amber Moore had no desire in seeing her husband sit on the edge so I can kind of look down over. That was not in her plans that day. But, but I realized that sometimes in life, we need people to do that for us. Sometimes in life, we need people to look out for us because we vastly underestimate the danger that's in front of us that day. I'm not saying it'd be every day, but that day, Amber had no interest in seeing her husband fall feet, thousands of feet to his death. Amber had no interest in that. People stepping into our lives can be a very valuable thing. And the whole reason I'm talking about this to begin the message today is I kind of think that's what we're doing as we're walking through this letter we're walking through all summer. See, if you're joining us for the first time today, whether in this room or online, you know, last week we started a series that we're going to walk through the whole summer. We're in week two of a conversation of teachings through the letter that James wrote to the early followers of Jesus. Now, this isn't something we've done before. We haven't walked through a whole letter before. I'm thinking maybe it's something that you would enjoy, maybe something you want to do more, and we can look into that in the future. But the reason I picked James is because James is a very practical book. James is a very practical book. And I believe James's motive in writing this letter to us was to speak to those followers about the faith that they have and how it's supposed to change something about our life. That our faith in Jesus is not supposed to be just a thing, but it's supposed to change something in us. After James was, um, became bought into Jesus being the Messiah, he didn't just have a statement of faith. I told you this last week. His life, how he lived it, became his statement of faith. And we know that these people, they're the, they're the, they're the first crew that, that really bought into who Jesus was. 
And these people did not have examples in front of them. These people did not have the Bible in front of them. So what James was doing is he was investing in them. He was leading them. He was speaking into their life. And now, a couple thousand years ago, basically, he is speaking into our life, giving the same wisdom, giving the same words, giving the same uh, almost inspiration of this is how life can be lived. And so last week we talked about how our faith changes how we walk through our trials and temptations. Last week we talked about where we put our, uh, or how we walk through our trials and temptations shows where we put our faith. If our faith in Jesus is found in Jesus, we will walk through the hardest moments, the most difficult moments in our life differently than if our faith is in something else. And so today, have you got your Bibles? You got your phones, you want to follow on the screen. We're going to go back to James as we'll do every week. We're going to go James chapter 1. We're going to go verse 19 through 25, okay? James uh, 1, 19 through 25. And so let's see what James wants to speak to us today just like he spoke to them years ago. He says, dear, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what you have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in all and what they do. They'll be blessed in what they do. Okay, so this is what we do. Okay, so once again, if you're a first-time person, this is kind of every week. What I ask you to do is that leave this seat we're sitting in, Tuscaloosa 2022, and let's go back to when it was written. Maybe all the way back to 45 AD. This may be the oldest, the earliest letter we have in the New Testament. And when James is writing this, let's think like he was thinking. Christianity, as we know it, is just beginning. Church, as we know it, is just in its beginning. It's in its formation period. And as I said earlier, they don't have people to show them how to live. They don't have the, the Bible, the, the understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So what I think James is doing here is he's giving them a warning. He's giving them a big warning sign of some potential dangers that they will walk into as they try to begin this journey of following Jesus. Now, did you notice the words? You need to take notice of the words that James used here. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. You see that? Take note of this. The root phrasing of this 
um, can be thought of as examine this. It can be thought of as pay attention to this. It's almost like James knows they're, they're, uh, they're traveling to a new area. They're doing something new. They're in a new place that they don't really know. They've never been there before. And so once again, James gives them two big warning signs. He said, be aware of these things that will trip you up as you begin to follow Jesus. And what are these two big danger warning signs right in front of them? The danger of undisciplined anger and the danger of listening but not obeying the word of God. The two big warning signs are right in front of them as he writes this letter is the danger of undisciplined anger and the danger of listening, but not obeying the word of God. He needs them to be aware that undisciplined anger causes issues. It hurts you, and it hurts other people. So let's look at this first one. Once again, when I read this, I'm reading this letter that James wrote to these people, and I think about the context that he's writing this. I see that there are at least three different places, three different ways that undisciplined anger can cause issues in this growing movement of Jesus bringing salvation and changing the world. Once again, think about it this way. The church is new. It's new. Being a group of believers is new. And anything new is bound to cause some conflict. And we know that most, if not all, of our anger moments come out of when there's something in conflict. In the middle of any life change, there's always conflict. You know this. You've experienced this. You may be experiencing some of this right now. Well, in this, well, this moment for these people, a lot is changing. A lot is new. And people are coming from their own background experiences. People are coming with their own thoughts and their own passions. They're coming with their own personalities and, and perspectives. People are coming together as a group of people for the first time. And I think James knows that inevitably there is going to be some conflict inside the church. He knows that there's going to be conflict with inside the believers because they're just people and people want things their way and people think that they know what's best now i don't know if we will understand this as a church because i don't think one hope is anything like this church one at one hope everyone has the same opinion at one hope everybody is on the same page, right? 
Like, I don't know if we can relate to this early church because around here, from my experience, is everybody thinks the same, wants the same thing. Everybody here believes we should be going down the same path. Like, that's the beauty of this place. Like, we never have conflict. And so, this morning is going to be difficult, but I want us to do our best to, rem- to, to kind of put ourselves in the seat of what it's like to potentially have conflict in, in a church. Let's do our best. And, and dealing with conflict and in believers in other church, you can see that if this is happening, you can see how undisciplined anger, meaning just shooting our mouth off, meaning arguing, meaning gossiping, meaning like speaking in ways that we know, we know I, I shouldn't be doing, undisciplined anger. We can see how, how not listening and, and being slow to, to speak and slow to anger, how it can cause disunity. You can see how it pulls people apart. You can see how it would cause issues in their church. You can see how undisciplined anger in the middle of conflict could take people away from the mission that Jesus put them on and then James is trying to keep them focused on. You can see how when there's conflict because people are people and then people act out of their anger in undisciplined ways, how it can cause disunity but also pull you off the mission, you can see how undisciplined anger can end up being an unnecessary hurdle that people have to work through, get over, as they're trying to continue what Jesus had started, had introduced them to, this movement that was supposed to change the world. You can see how when there is conflict and people handle their their, their frustration, their anger in an undisciplined way, this will cause issues. And James is walking them through this. Watch how you walk out your anger with each other. Watch out how you function as a group of people. He's writing this for a reason. He's writing this so people don't just have random thoughts and random words. He's trying to help them navigate life. That's the first conflict. The second conflict, the second conflict is not only would there be conflict with believers, but he knows there will be conflict with them and the community around them. The way of living the life that Jesus has called them to was going to come in conflict with the way uh, people were living and the beliefs they had with them in the community. He knew there was going to be tension. Have you ever felt that before? A tension between the way you know you should live and the way you see people living around you. There is tension. There's going to be people who doubted them. There's going to be people who disagreed with them. There's going to be people who argued with them. There are going to be people who targeted them. And this would bring conflict between the believers in Jesus and the community that was around them. It was inevitable. And how they lived out these conflicts, 
how they lived out these moments when they felt anger was either going to point people to Jesus more or push people away. James knew this. Was their faith going to cause them to live differently so that the people around them watching them would go, I see there's something different about these Jesus people. I, I see something different. There's not a lot of them. But whenever I encounter these Jesus people, something is different about them. Did their faith in Jesus give people a chance to, to actually buy into Jesus? Or was how they walked through their anger going to be a deterrent? How they walked through conflict, was it going to be a deterrent? This is the second conflict that I think maybe James saw what he was writing into. But then there's a third conflict. And this conflict wasn't with other people inside the fellowship of believers. It wasn't with the community around them. This third belief, this, I'm sorry, this third conflict was actually going to be from within. It was a conflict that, that people, as they were leaving an old life into a new life, when they were they're walking from being not in faith to now having faith, there was going to be a battle within. This battle of doing what my broken self wants to do, maybe especially when I'm upset at somebody, versus the character of Christ and the Holy Spirit working in me. These two lives were in battle with each other. There was this inner conflict that happens. Remember, these people were just hearing about Jesus. They were just professing I, I believe he is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. He is the Savior we've been waiting for. And now they need to begin life, to live life in accordance with what it means to be a follower of this man, Jesus. But as I started the series last week, I said just because you have a faith in Jesus doesn't mean you automatically change your life in accordance to the calling of Jesus. That we all have to come to a place where we say, I know growth is needed. I know surrender is needed. I know selflessness is needed. And I believe James, he's writing this. He's been down this road. Remember, he's the brother of Jesus, so he's grown up with Jesus. He's a picture of how life is supposed to be lived, and he struggled with a lack of faith as well. But now that he believed who Jesus was, James just knew that we were going to battle with things in life. And there was going to be this conflict of how do I live out personally my, my, my character and who I am when I go through moments of conflict and moments of anger. He knows about them just like he knows about us. That life is happening. And life is frustrating. Life is wearing on us. You look around every day and you see things that tick you off. 
You experience people and they make choices that you would not make. They say things that you would not say. They view things in a different way than you view them. People make decisions. Leaders make decisions that you don't agree with, you don't like. You, you, you experience things that just frustrate you. They get under your skin. You experience people who, who believe things that you just flat out think are wrong. The question is not, will you experience conflict? The question is, how will you respond when someone makes you angry? This is what James is getting at. He's not saying if these things happen. He's saying when. That you're going to go through this. How will you live out the times when you are most angry at someone? This is important because for followers of Jesus, a lot is on the line. And James is not the only one that talks about it. Matthew talks about this in his gospel. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And so let me make this practical, let me make this personal for us. The words of James, this letter to the people, then the letter to us now. How will you live out your anger with fellow believers? How will you live out with people who even say they believe the same thing? How will you live out when you're angry? Will your anger bring unity or disunity? Will your frustrations and how you live this out when you speak to people you're actually in the same circle with? Even think of this even beyond the church, but you've got a friend, you've got a spouse, you've got, you've got someone who you're on the same page of believing in Jesus. How does your anger um, flesh out? Does it bring unity with each other or pull it away? In the church, does how you handle conflict with people does it push you to more missional thinking? Or does it make things more about you? It's how you walk through conflict within believers and people who have faith in Jesus. Does it push us onward towards mission? Or does it make things about us? We're going to have conflict. In, at one hope, we are not perfect people. I joked about it. They're always on the same page. You know what I was saying. That's just not the way. But if we're together in this, how we respond when there's conflict with each other will determine are we unified in mission or are we going to make things about us? The second thing is how will you live out your anger in the presence of unbelievers? How will you live out your anger in the presence of unbelievers? Will you point people to Jesus or will you pull them away? Let's just think about, for many of you, you have an online world. Just accountability, how you live online, is probably even uh, more broadly seen than even your one-on-one -on -one conversations. Are people pushed towards Jesus or pulled away from Jesus by how you 
respond to each other in the comment section, your posts, your how, how do people see you, view you? At work, in the presence of people who they don't believe the same thing you believe and something goes wrong. Do they see something in you go, man, like, they're just not normal. And your answer is just, Jesus has changed me. Third thing is, how will you live out your anger while you're in pursuit of becoming more like Jesus? Does it lead to the righteousness that God desires? James says, makes it clear, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. How can our faith in Jesus change how we walk through conflict and how our anger is experienced? I think James is pretty simple here. He says the way to walk in faith when angry is to be humble. We need to lean into humility. Do you know why we typically get angry in conflict? Because we want our way. A lot of times our anger just comes out of because we're thinking about us. I don't think I'm the only one with that, right? Man, a lot of times our anger comes out of that. He says, be humble. Accept the teachings that Jesus has given us, the words that he's given us. That will save you. That will complete you. That will bring wholeness to you. That will bring you to be the person that you're called to be. How do you walk through anger in faith? Lean into humility. Okay. First danger sign. The second one's a bit, it's a bit quicker, okay? A bit quicker. The danger of listening but not obeying the word of God. Verse 22, I want to remind you. Do not merely listen to the word. So deceive yourself. But do what it says. There is not a person right now who doesn't struggle with James 1, verse 22. Right? There's not a person that does not struggle with this. We know a lot about the Bible. Well, enough, right? We all come from different backgrounds. Some of us know more than others. But we all know enough about the Bible. But the truth has always been that there's a difference in knowing and there's a difference in doing. Right? We know this. There's a difference in knowing and a difference in doing. And isn't it kind of cool that the, same, the things that, the, that people struggled with, maybe in 45 AD, some of the, the things they struggle with are the same things we struggle with. That James can speak to them and the words in front of us go, yeah, that's me. Like, I, I, I can struggle with this. We're all just people, people with areas we need to grow in. And James is once again reminding them, it's going to be a theme the whole way through, let your faith not just be a statement you say, but may your life be your statement of faith. Don't just be people that hear something, see something, our interest in something and then forget as you walk away what you've been told. 
James uses the mirror analogy. You've heard that mirror analogy before, right? Like you got this mirror analogy. Think about it from their experience. Mirrors were not exactly something that many people had. There's not a lot of money. They're, they're, he's writing to a lot of poor people. They don't have mirrors. They don't have portraits of themselves. That's expensive. Imagine not knowing what you really look like. This is a weird concept. This is why we need to remember who the Bible was written to. It even can illuminate it even more. These people don't have in front of them a mirror all the time that lets them know what they look like. They don't wake up in the morning and look at themselves and fix every little thing. It's a different concept. Not everybody had these luxuries. But then, you actually see a mirror. You actually see yourself. It's so interesting to look at that and go, oh, this is what I look like. Oh my goodness, like I don't see this every day. It catches your attention. It seems interesting in the moment. But James says, but then you walk away from that. Something that kind of grabbed your attention. Something that was interesting. Something that kind of was fascinating. You walk away from it and you immediately forget it. And James is saying like, what a waste. The word of God is supposed to be that picture or image of how we're supposed to live our lives. What a waste it is to see that picture. What a waste it is to get a glimpse of this image. But then you walk away and you forget it. It grabbed your attention. It was interesting. You felt like it was important in the moment. But then you walk away and you forget what it is. James says you walk away and you don't live in the freedom it's supposed to give you. Now, how we've talked about this around here before is what a waste it is to come on Sundays. And God begins to speak to you. I never think it's me. I think it's the Holy Spirit doing the work that the Holy Spirit does. And something is spoken to you. You know it's a truth for you. He speaks to your heart, your mind. You worship. And God connects with you and speaks to something into your life. And it grabs your attention. You're like, yes, I needed to hear that. I needed to be reminded of that. I needed to learn that. I needed to experience that. But then Monday comes. And you go back to life. Almost like God didn't even speak to you in the first place. And what I've told you many times is Monday matters. In your relationship with God, Monday matters. And James is warning us a big warning sign right in front of you. That our faith can't be a thing where we see or we hear truth, but it doesn't make a deeper impact on us that we won't forget it. We all say we want freedom in Jesus. I think we say, God, I want you to bless me, but 
truthful moment. How can God bless you if you hear a truth, but then you decide to live a completely different way? A warning sign is put in front of you, and you're like, great, I'm just going to keep going. God, I want freedom in you. I just want freedom in Jesus. I want to be blessed by you, but I'm going to do things the way I want to do, and James is here on behalf of God giving you a big warning sign. Maybe to push you this morning is your faith in Jesus seen in how you live out that faith on more than Sunday mornings? It's a simple question, one to be expected from a pastor, but is your faith seen more than we're in this place? We'll touch this again in week four when he talks about faith and works, but the word of God is the foundation to what we believe here. And as we read it, as we hear it, is it making an impact or is it just, Pastor Scott speaks, I'm here. I love my church. I love that they love me. I just, I, I, I like this, but like, but we go back. Like nothing was said, nothing was done. Life isn't changed. There is no freedom in this. I'll tell you, there is no blessing, true blessing in this. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. James is a very practical book. Sometimes heavier moments than others. But James, a very practical book, and he calls out areas in our life. Today, calling out our anger. Today, calling out, are we listening only or are we obeying? Many say they have a faith in Jesus, but does our faith in Jesus change how we live out these two areas? Does our faith in Jesus make an impact? James says, take a note. Brothers and sisters, examine this. Brothers and sisters, pay attention to this. We can't forget about tomorrow. The big message I want you guys to walk out with today is James says this. These are pitfalls. These are warning signs. These are things we need to take note of. But it doesn't really matter if you can shake your head yes in this room and then just continue on with life tomorrow. Will your faith in Jesus change how you walk through conflict? Will your faith in Jesus change how you respond to the truth that he puts in front of us? That we'll not just hear it. We won't just see it. We won't just be interested in it. But it actually changes something in us. James sees it in them but I think he could see it in us as well. Jesus wants to bring freedom. Jesus wants to bring, bring, bring blessing. But I think we've got a choice. How do we 
handle the warning signs, the danger signs that are put in, uh, in front of us. So as we do, we close in worship. This is gonna be my ask today as it typically is every week. If God speaks to you into something today, it doesn't necessarily have to be anything I say because you know the Holy Spirit uses often our worship and even something that I say that goes beyond my words, something specific to you. Is there something in you? Your anger has gotten out of control. Your anger is hurting you. It's hurting others. And maybe God wants to bring attention to that. Maybe God has been speaking to you about something, but you've been like, yeah, I see it. But like, I'm not really interested in obeying. If God is speaking something into you as we worship, maybe that's just something you go, I will, I will commit to not just listening, but I'll obey it. And that you walk out of this place and with a revived understanding this is how my faith is to be lived out. Because our life is meant to illuminate. Our life is meant to show the world of the greatness of Jesus. Maybe it's something they're speaking to you about that will help that happen. Can I pray and then we'll worship? Um, Heavenly Father, you speak to us in so many ways. Today, I think you can speak to us through the words of James that your spirit gave to him. And God, I pray that we would take the warning signs, the danger signs, the t we, that we need to pay attention to this. And God, I pray you'd speak into your people. If there's something that you've talked to us about but we're not doing, speak into us. If our anger is hurting relationships, it's hurting the desire you have for us to become more like Jesus, God, will you work in us? Will we take the words of James and not just hear them, but let you do something in our lives? In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.